It's awesome. <laughs> ah, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. Uh, this is PT Pinecast, a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories. You can see that. The uh, best conversations happen at happy hour. Welcome to ours. I'm Jimmy McKay. I'll be your host tonight, broadcasting live from the RES Medical Studios. It's just my living room, guys. I just think it's fun to call it a studio. That's just me. Uh, find them online at aureusmedical.com. They're the leaders in hashtag travel physical therapy. Positions in all 50 states in all settings. Again, that website, aureusmedical.com. Don't forget, the show is now and always will be free. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google, uh, Stitcher Radio, wherever you listen to, to great audio. And now video casting too. Doing this live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter at PT Pinecast on the socials. Questions or comments. If you're watching this live, drop in the comment section where you are. Give us your geography and the word live to let us know you're watching live. If you're watching the replay, same deal. Uh, who you are, where you're from, and that you're watching the replay. Uh, great show for you tonight. This is really the third time, third or fourth time, we've we've had an installment like this where we're bringing in um, medical professionals from across the country, different locations, uh, different viewpoints, different experiences, and we're sharing it around that that current pandemic that we're facing, right? I feel like we go through news cycles where we're like, are we still talking about this? I'm like, well, it's still a big deal. So yeah, we should probably still be talking about this. And especially in the profession of physical therapy, this is something we're going to be seeing and talking about and experiencing treating for we don't know how long. So you should be armed with information and that's the goal tonight. So uh, bringing back no stranger to the show, David Petrino on the program and Jenna Tosco Mancuso. You guys have been on the show before, so welcome back. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Uh, bringing in some colleagues too. We're going to add Josh Dunst and we're adding Dana McCarthy. So guys, ladies, gentlemen, welcome to the program. Thanks for taking some time out of your uh, your busy days, your busy schedules to talk with us about some important information. We like to get the hard question out of the way first. So first question, always the hardest. What are we drinking? I got some uh, red wine. Nice. Josh, red wine. Bourbon. Smart man. I'll come in next with the high noons. High noon? I can't find them anywhere. How did you get your hands on them? Who do you know? I mean, trick of the trade. All right. <laughs> And uh, Dana, what do you got? Uh, abysmal. I'm coming in with water in a fancy cup. <laughs> you could have you, you you told us to do something else. We, we yeah, I got to own up. It's all I can drink these days. So. <laughs> we respect the honesty, uh, but cheers to you guys. So thanks so much. First round brought to you by our friends from Owens Recovery Science. Uh, single source for PTs looking for certification and personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training. OwensRecoveryScience.com. Uh, David, we had you. Was it? Was it? Like April, we had you on for the first time, really during COVID to kind of do like a kind of a like a where are we kind of pulse check, I think. Mm. Yeah, it was it was definitely around April, um, early April, I think. Yeah. Um, and a lot has changed. A lot has stayed the same, uh, but a lot has changed. Yeah, just, just, just saying that out loud, we had you on in April. It feels like April was like three years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I can't a lot of making yeah. a lot of those comments you shared insight with us then and as you just alluded to there things had changed and then we brought in jenna we had you on the show a month ago month and a half 
Yeah, give or take, it would have been, absolutely. And even still, things are constantly changing. So, And I, I tell people all the time, going to have a great, uh, really like a presentation. Typically, I tell people we aim for conversation, not presentation. But you really did a great blend of really an in-service, a conversational in-service about what we knew. So what we'll do is we'll link to the episode that you did previously with uh, the show notes when we release this via podcast. But as you alluded to as well, so many things have changed since then. So, David, we'll start with you. Uh, well, how, where do where do we begin? Where do we begin right now? Let's start with the the now and how are how are things? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> things are busy for us at the moment. Um, this this team here on 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 the podcast has been uh, really in the trenches. Um, uh, getting to know a few things. Uh, are we going to go around and do an intro, yeah. or uh, yep, you can do that. So I was going to start with you. So just read rack for the audience, uh, David, PT, PhD. You get to do a rehab innovations is your title mm-hmm. at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York. Did I leave anything out? I mean, you do a lot more, but like, no, I think that's. I think you've nailed it. I don't even need to go. You, you've <laughs> given <laughs> you've given out the intro. I love it. I was gonna, I was gonna set you up for like, didn't you win like greatest Australian, greatest living Australian or something like that? Yeah, something like that. That's that sounds about right. Yeah. Jenna, how about you? Introduce yourself to us. Just give me a quick background. Sure, Jenna Tasso Mankiw. So I am a physical therapist at the Abilities Research Center, working with Dr. Petrino. Um, my role is in the integration of new technology into clinical practice, and uh, really have been working on our approach models for treating patients with post-acute COVID syndrome. Great. All right, Josh, how about you? Yeah, so currently I'm the CEO and founder of the breathwork company Stasis. Uh, Prior to starting this company about a year ago, I spent 10 years in the Navy Special Operations community uh, in the bomb squad. Wow. Okay. We have to unpack some stuff there later on. Dana, tell us about you. Hi, Dana McCarthy. I am a physician at Mount Sinai in the Department of Rehabilitation. Pre-COVID, I was sports and interventional spine specialist. Uh, Post-COVID, I am kind of spearheading the clinician aspect of, uh, or physician aspect of the COVID care program. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for taking your time out to talk. Share information. That was an overarching theme when we talked, David, in April, and Jenna, when we talked a month and a half ago, which is how do we get this and how do we gather, gather this information? Because what we thought, what we didn't know was a thing, was a thing. So, David, let's start there. Let's just reset for the audience. Um, post-acute COVID syndrome a couple months ago obviously wasn't a thing. Let everybody know what they're looking at, unless if they're not experiencing it. Yeah, um, I, I think you know it's interesting when we when we first started to talk in April, um, we were just getting the data in from our uh, management of acute COVID patients and. Um, it was interesting because we were seeing all of this literature being put out there by the CDC and by a lot of leading organizations saying, look, average time of COVID is is 14 days and then you're fine, you're recovered, you're over it. And we started to look at our data and we were like, well, that actually doesn't fit. We're seeing people that are still symptomatic after 35 days. We're starting to notice that symptoms symptom cycles are changing. So they're not no longer showing acute COVID signs, but they're showing these signs that um, that look new and different. And that's when we started to think, okay, maybe we might be looking at some sort of um, post-viral or at least, you know, post-acute viral syndrome. And 
um, that's when we started to assemble, you know, an amazing team around us, including everyone on the podcast today, but then a few others who who aren't here because we've got a really interdisciplinary team, which is, I think, what you need for, uh, you know, addressing anything like what we're seeing. Um, and really, you know, the 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 course of the symptoms have, have been multi-system. They have been very, very severe. I think more severe than we um, we could have initially anticipated. And one of the most important things that we've been prioritizing is education, getting it out to the community as quickly as possible, the treating community, hey, this is a real thing and this matters. And there are a lot of people who are gonna come, come at you with symptoms that are so severe that you don't quite believe it until you see it. Um, and the symptoms are all over the map. They're episodic, they're constant, they affect every organ system you can think of. And, um, you know, all in all, it looks a lot like, uh, you know, autonomics. It looks a lot like the autonomic nervous system is is uh, freaking right out. But um, we still don't know exactly what it is. So we're proceeding really carefully. And I think that the team that we have here today is such a good one because, um I think that we can speak to a lot of the different um, pieces of what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I always like to, I, I need to keep things simple for myself. So, you know, Dana, apologies if you, you're going to sort of roll your eyes at this, but I, I think about this in three phases in terms of how we manage what's going on. Um, phase one is there are so many patients that are coming to us in complete crisis with no control over their symptoms. So phase one, is let's start some prehab and and get them to a point where they at least feel the slightest bit of control over their symptoms and we were so fortunate to have uh, josh in our corner um you know I, I think that diffusing bombs and handling highly highly sensitive patients may have a few similarities um so uh we're really fortunate to have josh working uh, through stasis with so many patients and really getting them you know, through that initial phase where they feel they have no control um, through really well calibrated breathwork to a, a point where, okay, I'm still feeling like complete garbage, but I feel like I have a few strategies in my belt that I can, you know, start to uh, ease my way through this. Then, you know, in comes second superhero, which is Dana, who actually brings these people in, looks at the medical side of things, makes sure that there are no massive red flags that that uh, preclude individuals from getting involved in a standardized treatment course um, and really just works to put out fires that are that are occurring all over the place make sure that they get multidisciplinary multi-specialist care um, and then we've got of course you know superhero number three which is jenna um, then moving on to the pt program and working people through um, a reconditioning program that gets their autonomic nervous system, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, back to where they were um, before all this started. So I really feel like I have uh, nothing to say beyond the introduction because these guys have been doing all the work. Um, before we go, before we go around the horn, and I want we'll do that, we'll, and we'll do it in the same order that that you had mentioned just there, David. I do want to mention that you had you assembled this team. Right. And, 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 and the the different uh, way that they each looked at the situation is what we're going to get into. 
but patients were trying to collaborate with each other and they were doing that in the form of a Facebook group because medical professionals, when this is early March, April, were saying these symptoms that you're experiencing, they're not a thing, they're all in your head, which is a really good example, a really great uh, insight into, listen, you need to pay attention. And now that you're months later, you're able to look back with hindsight and say, oh, they, they were right. Their experiences were actually pretty accurate. They formed a Facebook group you found out about it. You tried to get into it and they actually wouldn't let you in because they were like, we don't need one more person telling us we're nuts. You were like, mm-hmm. you did some talking, you got in there and you did a lot of this, which is listening to learn a lot. So kudos to you for doing that. Uh, but I did want to make sure the audience was kind of reframed in that where patients were seeking out, hey, we know something isn't right. They started talking to each other online and started using that platform to f- kind of figure things out. And because you listened, you were able to put this you know, team together and figure out what those things are because you need a big data set, right? You need to be able to hear from a, a large swath of people to, to see what's going on. So uh, we'll start with you, Josh. No stranger to pressure. We'll put you under pressure, right? Bombs, this is going to be simple. You're on a podcast, man. Um, <laughs> Breathwork, where, where did you come into this team? And when you, when you were looking at the same information, the same patients, um, where does your experience take, take you? What were you able to bring to it? Yeah, so I was really lucky to get um, connected with David actually when the company at the time was working on um, a different project and then the pandemic started and I had been using Breathwork personally just for the past few years um, to mainly started off with uh, like physical endurance stuff. So increasing my physical performance and then later on in my career um, using it for just general stress and anxiety, you know, some PTSD, depression, and then sleep was like a big factor too. Um, We were always traveling in and out of different time zones across the country and the globe. So uh, sleep habits were a big thing for us. And then, yeah, I just, I just got really lucky, I guess, you know, getting connected with David and then the rest of the team, um, they kind of, I think believed in me and believed what we were trying to do. And since then we've got to work with a lot of patients and just really um, play a really small part in this, you know, uh, as part of this team, I would say I'm, I'm the kind of the outlier and everyone else is doing way more, uh, way more stuff than me. So I'm just privileged to be here, but yeah, we, we teach them really fundamental um, functional breathing patterns just like uh, David said, just to get them back where they feel like they have control over their breath and kind of um, general stress, really seeing a lot of benefits from the sleep side with uh, members that we're working with, and then trying to get them to that place where now they feel comfortable where they can start that physical exercise program again. How are, how are you explaining this? Uh, when, when Or how do you teach people to explain what it is that you get to bring in terms of an inter- intervention? If it's something that someone has never experienced David mentioned now they're in crisis. They're looking for some sort of control. What are what are some things that that you would share in terms of hey, how to even introduce this the the concept of breath work? Yeah, um, so I think we've kind of broken it down as basic as we can get it. Uh, we have three pillars that we go over them. The first is just the mechanics around breathing. The big thing for us with that is uh, breathing through your nose whenever possible. So nasal breathing at all times, and then initiating that breath cycle with your diaphragm. Um, the second pillar would be what we would call tidal volume. So literally just how much air are you breathing in and breathing out with each breath? And then the third pillar being the respiration rate. So how many breath cycles are you actually taking on a per minute basis? Um, one of the really common things that we're seeing is a lot of patients in a, a chronic hyperventilation state 
which kind of throws their whole system out of whack and can lead to a bunch of different uh, symptoms as well. So those are kind of the things that we try to get under control. And then once, you know, we're working with people for weeks or months at a time, start to introduce some other apnea training, um, breath holds and, and kind of introduce them to some more advanced techniques to where, like I said, get them back on the path where they now feel comfortable doing phys physical exercise and just general daily activities again. Sure. Uh, resources, if people can find out more, you got the Stasis t-shirt on, which by the way, very smart <laughs> video. But if someone wanted to find out more, if a therapist out there was saying, okay, give me a little more, where should they go? Yeah, uh, they can go to our website. It's just stasishp.com. Um, or they can email me directly at josh at stasishp.com. That's fantastic. All right, let's go over um, to uh, to Dana. Dana, from your perspective, what were you, what were, what were you able to flex in terms of your superhero muscles? And when you came into this team, you came from a different perspective. That's what that's how the Avengers is great, right? If they were all just Thor, they'd have weaknesses. But when you when you're varied, um, so when you came into this team and you you started to look at patients um, that were post-acute having this syndrome that wasn't a thing a few months ago where did your head go I, you know i think from a, a team perspective it, it was kind of all the circling around this confluence of symptoms together and trying to uh, understand what those clusters meant and then how to best approach it right so so from my perspective as david had said at the beginning it's just to make sure that first there's nothing very significant from a medical standpoint that's happening that needs to be um, ruled out or taken care of. Um, but for most of these patients, they've gone under million dollar workups and it's all been negative, right? So the blood work, the cardiac workup, the neuro workup, the pulm workup, negative, 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 negative. And they've also been told throughout this whole process, nothing is wrong with you. Right. Um, that then creates kind of this uh, psychological entity, which already they've gone through so much being in an acute illness where they weren't able to get care. So again, this all stemmed from, and, I, and I'm assuming you've gone through this story with David before, his great work with creating this remote patient monitoring platform during the acute phase, right? So we had our pulse on this from the very beginning of the patients that weren't getting better. And we were understanding the anxiety that went along with that from the get-go and what they were experiencing. But now couple that with not getting better and not being able to get help. And then when you can finally see a physician or see a healthcare provider and they're saying, you're fine, there's nothing wrong with you, yet you oh. feel absolutely terrible. That, that's just, that's mind altering, right? And that now, your, the mental component is not what's causing the problem, but it's certainly snowballing it and making it a lot worse, right? And those symptoms. So uh, it's been a challenge to, to try to address all these things appropriately for patients and get them to an area of good health and an area of toleration for everything. So I also just want to kind of volley this back at Josh here because I think he is, um, he is deflecting how important his uh, his role in this actually is. So from from my perspective, and I think the rest of the group would would say that uh, Josh is kind of the foundation of what we're doing here. And uh, I'd say for anybody who's listening to this, the breathwork part of this, if you don't have that piece first, everything else that you do is for naught because it helps from so many different perspectives. It helps from the psychological component of this. It helps from the respiratory, right? So 
we the dysfunctional breathing and josh if you could I, I just would love for you to talk to everybody a bit more about what you're seeing how you're seeing these patients present when you first kind of go through the evaluation with them and and what it looks like as they're improving or their intolerance for the breath work and how you've had to alter that just so everyone can kind of understand a little bit more about the patient population. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the most common things are kind of everything that I just touched on on those three pillars, but the opposite of what we want to see. Um, so we see a lot of people that are habitual mouth breathing, um, mainly upper chest breathing, um, not using their diaphragm, not ever really drawing air deep down into the lungs where most of that gas exchange process happens. Um, other things are, you know, really common hyperventilation syndrome. So that looks like, you know, anywhere from 20 to 30 breaths per minute on that respiration scale. Um, average, you know, healthy adult, normally somewhere around 12 to 16. Um, and then, so we slowly start to um, introduce some slower respiration breathing for them. And, you know, we're, we're kind of a really early stage company right now too. So we're going through growing pains and trying to to, to keep up with everyone else too. So, um, you know, we developed this framework of a program that fits, I would say probably 80% of the, the patients that we're seeing, but um, like Dana brought up, you know, we're working on custom solutions right now that will be tailored to each individual person. So that way they have a complete custom program instead of following like a template framework is what we have now. And so just as the more data and kind of as we grow, we're going to continue to make the product um, better and more individualized for each individual person too. Yeah. Uh, Josh, to, to say that, uh, you know, you're not bringing a, you know, as much of a table, literally as you were going through the pillars, I was actually changing how I was breathing. I was like, oh, am I, am I doing that right? You know, I'm not doing that right now. I probably yeah. should be doing that right now. <laughs> and, and to Dana's credit, the audience agrees. A question coming in right now from Katie, um, and she's a, an SLP asking if it, how the breath work has been used and effective for voice, speech, and swallow therapy. Have you had any experience? I'm going to put you on the spot, but confused bomb, so I'm pretty sure you can hack it. Um, have you seen that in terms of what Katie's asking about? Sure. Um, so I haven't personally dealt with people that, I mean, I'm sure some of the members we have currently do have some of those symptoms. It's not something that's ever come up. Um, but I do know of um, other breathwork companies or, or coaches kind of working with people on those issues. And it's really actually, uh, it's good for us when people come from like a singing or a voice background, because normally they have some, some foundational education and knowledge around these functional breathing patterns. So it's a, a little easier to kind of get them started on this um, by someone that is coming, you know, off the street, I guess, that has no uh, breathwork education or background at all. Great. Awesome. Great question. Again, uh, drop it in the, in the comments below right now as we're live right now at uh, 820 uh, Eastern time. So we've, we're, we've gone halfway around the horn, right? We talked to Josh, we listened to Dana, which means Jenna, you're up next in the superhero batting order. Uh, we had you on for really, I, I, it felt like an in-service, but it felt really informative. You got through, uh, we had some questions, you got through a lot of information, but I think you did it succinctly. Um, Coming back now, catch us up, because you said we've learned even more since we had John last. Sure. So I think even you know, we touched on it a little bit last time, and then as we continue to work with patients, really what we're learning is the extent of the symptom exacerbation and really what these patients are up against in terms of how flared up and how sensitive their symptoms are um, is even more profoundly 
present at this point in time, right? So we knew it early on, but we're, as we're seeing more and more patients, we're really starting to recognize that, particularly in the therapy environment, which I think as all of all of us have touched on, this idea of prehabilitation is paramount. So uh, really our team has started to create a workflow in which is Dr. McCarthy is seeing our patients making that um, recommendation for prehabilitation, getting patients involved in breath work. Um, I think in therapy in and of itself, patient breath work control is tremendous, but now even more so. So we're working with the breath work component to help stabilize symptoms to get patients to the point where they can tolerate beginning a therapy program. Um, so I think that that understanding is more important now than ever. Um, and so as a team, that's something that we've tremendously learned. Um, in addition, really, Dr. McCarthy and I have been working very closely on continuing to structure our approach models to continue to structure the approaches we're taking for patients. Um, and really what we've learned on that point is regardless of where a patient is coming in, right, they might appear that, you know, their symptoms are mild per se, uh, it's pivotal to start patients at that slower, lower level under the guise of the one more rep mentality goes out the window, uh, largely just because, again, uh, the introduction of exercise, especially when we're thinking from an autonomic perspective, we really want to make sure that we're building the foundation for a quote-unquote re-regulation of presentation. So it's not this idea that someone comes in, they're feeling all right, and we just skip steps as we go. So as we've started working more and more within the physical therapy space, we've really acknowledged the importance of starting from supine-based exercise, exercise that maybe by just looking at it, they're very, very basic, um, but we can speak from patient experience that for even patients who are maybe more mildly symptomatic in this post-acute COVID uh, syndrome presentation, starting slow is key. As patients are tolerating and going stepwise, you can make that clinical decision to progress, but only after patients are showing and then you're, you're seeing from a clinical evaluation perspective that they're tolerating the interventions you're giving. So I think exercise prescription in the physical therapy space is definitely the name of the game um, and really starting slower than maybe you even think you would need to off the cuff. Yeah. I think I could, if I could just add one piece to that, you know, being being that guy, being that physio um, in my in my past, uh, the your instinct as a physio is, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna set this level for my patient, and if they go above it, I'm going to encourage that. So if the patient, if you check in with the patient and they say, I can do it, I can do five more minutes, you go, yeah, do it. You know, that is the wrong instinct here. You need to go against that instinct because what will happen is. They will feel fine. You'll feel like you did something good. And then they'll be trashed for the next two days and they'll blame you and the trust is gone. Wow. Um, discipline is the really tough thing about the protocol that Jen is putting people through. We all want to see our patients get fast better. We all want to we all want to skip steps because that's what we've been conditioned to do. It's like no pain, no gain. It, it just doesn't apply here. I'm going to I'm going to add into that, too, there. So just. Um... <clears throat> this idea of these patients are trying to get better from an acute viral illness and their energy demands are quite different than when they were healthy or before they had this illness. So for, for the PT population, who's going to be treating, you know, the, the, the treatment providers for these patients, you have to kind of understand that too. So 
these patients are going to come to you wanting to get better also. And they're going to think that if you put them through and they do one more set or they do another right rep, that right. that's going to be better for them. And you will get many patients that actually may just come to you, right? At, with post-acute COVID that haven't been seen by anybody and you're their go-to because they can't find anybody else to help them. So what you need to understand too is that idea of that their energy availability to do what you're trying to ask is much less. And they may be already existing outside of what they have available and therefore they may be highly symptomatic when they come to you. So just in terms of trying to educate as many people as possible who are going to be providing care and trying to get the patients better, that is paramount to understand that this is a completely different um, cohort of, of individuals than you're used to treating. Yeah, this is this is why what we just went through, all of it valuable. This is why we're doing this episode, which is, hey, this is, pay attention. This is counterintuitive, right? The things that you're normally doing for good reason to push, push, push. And a lot of times, David, as you were saying that, I was like, yeah, we've all had those patients who, when you have that therapeutic alliance, they want to do better because they want to show you, I'm, I'm working, I'm, I'm doing my part, I can do more. And, and we're, we're, we're highlighting, and you guys are all highlighting, that that is not the way to get better faster because that, that is a dangerous, I don't want to be the guy to do it, but yeah, there's a bomb out there. We need guys like, you know, <laughs> but I had to bring it back to you. There's a land. Well, you can't just drop something like that into an introduction and not expect it to dominate the whole session. <laughs> I have to re rethink my approach next time, I guess. That made me pay attention and change my breathing. I was like, well, if anybody knows about breathing, the guy who had to control his breathing with bombs. So. I mean, it is a great party line, and this is, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We are drinking. Well, some of us, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I love I love everything about this because it's sharing information across disciplines, across uh, approaches, across you know viewpoints, and really, I mean, just sharing and hearing people ask questions and and where they'll take this information. Um, how's this looking? Like, what's the? I don't know. Is, am I even allowed to ask that? I don't, you know, this, these are unprecedented times, and if I never hear the phrase "unprecedented" again, I will be better for it. Um, are we on a better swing? Are we leveling? Because again, plateau is the term from three, four months ago that I couldn't get enough of. But, you know, are, are we hopeful? Are we optimistic? Uh, We're always optimistic. We're always yeah. optimistic. <laughs> to us. Are, are, you, are you asking specifically about the new cases, acute cases? Yeah. Are you asking about this specific cohort of patients? I don't know. I work from home. I'm alone. This is the only interaction I get with humans. I think I'm just looking for someone to say. You're, you're in your bunker. I'm in my bunker up. Yeah. And I'm just saying, yeah. I mean, well, here's here's what I see. There's a bunch of really smart people out of, uh, uh, you know, involved in this, right? And if we know anything, it's that a bunch of people who are in healthcare, really smart and really motivated. And if there's going to be a way out of this, there will be, and we're going to find it, right? And I just go back to like Matt Damon in The Martian. He's like, I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to science the shit out of this thing. <laughs> we're sciencing the shit out of it. And I know that doesn't go as fast as maybe people who are outside of science or outside of medicine want it to, but it's not because we're holding it back. Like this is the this is where the work happens. We see something, we don't know what the hell it is. Let's poke and prod and figure it out. Okay, now we know a little bit. And I heard a great, I mean, I learned from, you know, doing this as a PT student, episode like five, which was 755 episodes or something ago, which is science always says, this is what we know now. 
And then later on, this is what we know now. And this is what we know now. But we're never saying you know, definitive. If, if someone walks in and like, I am the guru of and I know everything, do not trust that guy. Mm-hmm. That guy wants to sell you something in the form of a course or a tool. So I don't know. Maybe I'm answering my own question, which is like hearing people like you talk like this. I'm optimistic because we're science in the shit out of it. Well, <laughs> um, you know what? It's there's a good point I think to be made there as well because uh, when it comes to sciencing the shit out of things, um, if there's anyone out there who is, um, you know, a researching therapist, so our, our science, our scientist PTs, um, one of the thing, one of the pieces of unsolicited advice that I will impart is um, we had a lot of very experienced scientists coming to us and saying we need to protocolize this. We need to only accept people who have these symptoms and we're only going to do these interventions and da 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 That is not how you investigate a new condition. Flat out, that is the wrong approach. That is how we run randomized controlled trials for known conditions with known trajectories. We have statistical methodology. We have um, the sort of uh, computational knowledge to take everybody to apply many variables and to see who responds to what variable vectors. And so that is what that is how we need to approach this. If you try to over-protocolize, you're going to end up excluding everybody from your study because the symptom course here is so diverse that no one is going to fit neatly into right. the tiny, the perfect little box for your you know, single effect clinical, uh, clinical trial to work out. So anyone who actually wants to science this, you need to take all comers and you need to get creative about how you're going to study your effect. Is there anything I didn't ask? Anything anybody didn't get a good chance to to, to share? I, I want to make sure I, I give you guys all opportunity. I, I would just say that we're, uh, <laughs> we're open platform. So if anybody is looking for more information, just reach out to David. <laughs> <laughs> David's inbox just felt that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's just the demand is so high, right? This is a large patient population, unfortunately. Nobody asked for this to happen to them, right? Yeah. Uh, and there is no magic drug that's going to cure this, right? So when it comes to trying to help these patients get better, you guys are the army that's going to be you know, key and instrumental in, in helping them to get back to life. I mean, this is a young patient population, mainly 20 to 40s who were relatively healthy beforehand and their quality of life is now in the toilet. So, uh, and unfortunately in this country, right, we, we tend to lag a little bit in our ability to, to help and focus and, and a prop, properly talk about things and acknowledge it in the medical field, right? So, um, so that said, uh, these patients need help now. So if anything, we hope we can ins- inspire you based on what, yeah. we're, what we're doing to, to join the fight. And we talked about that, David, in, in April. And again, Jenna, which is, hey, this is a great moment to to be able to show and not tell in terms of, hey, like our profession can can be really valuable. We didn't ask for this. We didn't ask for this opportunity. But now that it's here, we should stand up for it. And we should say, hey, this is, this is what we're able to provide and, and what we know and what we can deliver. Um, so, um, that makes me optimistic at least, right? I mean, uh, cautiously optimistic. I want to be, ha- I want to be optimistic. I really do. Um, last thing we do on the show, guys, are you ready for the parting shot? We just sprung it on you, Josh, but I'm guessing you're used to it. 
Parting shots, really your chance for a mic drop moment. Like the last thing you'd want to leave. It could be a soapbox, could be something simple, one line, whatever, or or longer. I'm just setting you guys up for it. It's brought to you by our friends from the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy, uh, leaders in orthopedic physical therapy. That's it. Orthopt.org. I'm not sure how much more I should say. Just I really just read their name. And that's what they do. Uh, current concepts of orthopedic physical therapy. If you're thinking about taking your OCS exam, that is a great course that parallels the examinations. So look into it. It's the premier course. Uh, the reference list is 17, 18 pages long. That's all I got to say. Orthopt.org. All right. So let's go around the horn. David, since you've been on the show before, you've done parting shots. We'll let you lead off. Uh, what do you got for us now as we record here in October, which feels like March 475? <laughs> I mean, look, same message. Uh, listen to your patients. Um, work with a broad uh, variety of, of professionals. And uh, if you don't know the answer to something, reach out to us, ask. We'll do our best. Love it. Jenna, parting shot. What do you got for us? So it is National PT Month, so choose PT. And as a PT, this is definitely an opportunity for all of us to help our patients. So take that opportunity. Well said. All right, Josh, parting shot. You kind of got the rhythm there. What would you want to leave the audience with? Uh, so you you breathe more than you do anything else in life. Um, so even if you're healthy, I think everyone can get something out of breath work. So even if it's not with my company, Google something and learn something. Love it. Yeah, check them out. Stasis. And uh, Dana, parting shot, what do you got for us today? I would just say, you know, as a physician, I am really keen on interdisciplinary approaches and... You guys are so important to this cause. So reach out to any other providers that you have and, and work together to try to help out this patient population. I love it. Guys, thanks so much for the for the time. It's valuable. Uh, it's, it's a great resource, but really the information that you bring with it. Keep doing the things that you do. Let's have another drink uh, in a little while and hopefully we can share some more information, more insight. The more we learn, the better we can help those people that we like to, uh, we like to focus on. Those are our patients. So thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Love the PT Pinecast? Yes. Yes. Support the show by telling a friend or by leaving a review on iTunes or Google Play. All right, show today brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. Brooks IHL offering continuing education courses in numerous specialty areas, six PT residency programs, an OMPT fellowship, as well as challenging but rewarding internships. The IHL specializes in the translation of information from evidence to patient management. Learn what they can do for you to support your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. ptpinecast.com Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at buildpt.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It's poured fresh by me, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. Ingredients are sourced by our chief connections officer, Sky Donovan from Marymount University. And it's brewed fresh by producer and physical therapist, Juliet Dassinger. And by producer and creator, second year PT student, Bridget Nolan from Sacred Heart University. PT Pinecast is a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories. Make sure to follow us online at PT Pinecast and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. 
I absolutely love you. I love you, love you, love you. It's it's awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. And if you found value in the show, all we ask is that you tell a friend. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.